0: Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek
1: inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm talking with Sylvia Taplin who is the proprietor and family member of Taplin Cellars in the Napa Valley. She will also be featured in Wine Country Women Heritage Families. Sylvia, thank you so much for inviting me to your, I guess you would call it your tasting room.
2: Yes, we call it, uh, actually we call it family room as well. (laughs) I Uh like that.
1: It is very, it's very much like a family room. It's very comfortable. Three sides of this room is glass, and we're surrounded by vineyards. It's
2: so inviting. That's that's exactly what uh, we wanted. We wanted that when you uh, enjoy wine, you are where wine comes from. It comes from the vineyard. Exactly.
1: Well, we're going to talk about Taplin Cellars in just a few minutes, but let's learn all about you. You
2: are from Chile. You started your career in the medical field. Correct. I am a physician. I'm an epidemiologist, which nowadays uh, people know what that is.
1: (laughs) Yes, they do.
2: Um, And I have a postdoc in health policy, and I worked for many years in the World Health Organization. Um, That's how I met my husband, Stephen, who is also a physician and that was my career for about 25 years. Wow.
1: Well, since you brought up your husband, you have to tell the story. How did the two of you meet?
2: Oh, it's so interesting. Uh, It was in France, and it was related with uh, the medical field. We were at a meeting, and he invited me up for dinner at a lovely place in Lyon, and he ordered wine, and I was thinking, what wine is he going to order? And he ordered beautiful wine. And I complimented him and asked him if he was into wine. And he just very humbly said, I grew up in the Napa Valley.
1: And the rest is history. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, meeting him changed your life forever. Absolutely. So I don't want to go to the wine world yet. I still want to talk about your medical career. So can you tell me, what were some of the highlights of your medical career?
2: um, I'm an epidemiologist, and I was interested, uh, now you uh, think that epidemiologists do infectious diseases, and we do, uh, but I was very interested in chronic diseases, also called non-communicable. I was interested in large-scale programs. I worked in Latin America, um, Eastern Europe, and the Middle East as well in different capacities, and I had a very large project, which was my favorite, cervical cancer. And that's a disease that affects poor women, and it's highly curable because nowadays many cancers are curable and preventable. And I was interested in reaching out and, and developing large-scale programs so that these women would live a happy, productive life and be able to raise their families, raise their children, and get to old age like we would all dream to and so it was so doable, and that's what uh, I wanted to do. And seeing when the, the effects of it, when it was taking place, was very, very rewarding. Professionally and also personally, I felt very close to, the, to that goal to, to really make a difference out there.
1: What an amazing accomplishment to be part of the team that helped solve that problem.
2: Oh, yes. It's a fabulous group of people. I've been interested in a number of programs that uh, reach out to people that we take for granted. For example, people with diabetes, uh, people with hypertension, and people who cannot access treatment in the developing world and that we take for granted. And that, that was uh, a, a passion to me for many years.
1: So how did your husband sway you to leave all that behind and come to the
2: Napa Valley? Oh, he didn't have to work that that hard. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when you have a, a very intense career and you travel quite a bit, there's a point where you get tired and you want to see something else. And the world usually is, there's life beyond the small worlds that sometimes we find ourselves in. Wine and food was always a passion for me. And we started coming to the Napa Valley because my husband and his siblings started taking care of the family farm, a farm that's been in the family for over 155 years. So in a way, the writing was on the wall. One day, I was supposed to, uh, I was here in the Napa Valley, and I was supposed to get an airplane to Washington, D.C., where my uh, office was, where I worked. It, there was a snowstorm back east, and my plane didn't take off, and I came back, and my father-in-law looked at me and said, why don't you stay? I looked around, and that was it. I stayed. At that time, there was a need in the family to jump in and and, um, become the general manager. I had the background. I can't claim that I knew a lot about wine. I knew about wine from the other angle, uh, from the consumer. I love wine. I enjoyed um, learning about new regions and learning about wine. But the business of wine is a different angle, and... I was in for a challenge, and I think that uh, I did the right thing.
1: You have this incredible gem nestled, as we said, in the middle of the vineyard. What makes it
2: so special? Of course, there were grapes here in the 1800s, and they were making wine. But, you know, prohibition, depression, there was time when it was walnuts and prunes, I understand. I never saw it as walnuts and prunes. But my husband remembers very well, and... The family was selling the grapes, and they were very good grapes, and they started tasting, tasting the wines that came out of these grapes and until, you know, they so said, why don't we make wine? And they started making small batches. First it was a private label, and then, and then we started making very, very small batches until it was time, and they said, let's grow. Let's make it a business. Let's make it viable. And so we're in a growth path. We just, over a 1,000 cases or 1,500 cases at the moment, and uh, planning to grow. We hire a fantastic winemaker. One of my favorites. is Julian Fayard, and he is just fantastic and works very well with the family. And we started assembling a team that, to take this to the next step and to the next generation. So let's talk about the portfolio
1: of wines here. What is your flagship wine? One of the things we
2: did when we first started was test the soils. What kind of soils do we have here? And there was a particular vineyard. I'll call it vineyard because at that time we called it block or section, but it's an independent vineyard within the state uh, where the yields were a little bit lower. Um, It was different. And when they tested the soils, they... Found out that there was an ancient uh, riverbed of years of years ago that snaked through that particular vineyard, and that made it very rocky in a very very different kinds of uh, of soil. And the grapes were just almost perfect. <laughs> and we started making a wine out of that, and that's our Tapling. It's a hundred percent Cabernet Sauvignon. And Julian takes a lot of pride in in really selecting that wine. Uh, We have another Cabernet Sauvignon, which is from different other sections of the vineyard. We call it Terra Nine, and it's called Terra Nine because Steve's uh, great-great-great-grandfather, who came here in the 1800s, he said, oh, this land here, this is nine-part rocks, uh, one-part dirt. (laughs) <laughs> which is great for uh, wine grapes, sure, stress not, in not for mouth. every culture. <laughs> right. Yeah, we also have a rosé. Mm-hmm. If anybody knows Julian Fayard, you know that he is just fast, fabulous rosé maker. He does make great rosé, and yours is spectacular. Yeah, we love it. The rosé has an interesting story because um, my sister-in-law, Melinda, uh, whom... The wine's name after her is Melinda's Rosé. She, uh, When she finished college, she went off to France, and there she fell in love with Rosé. And she always wanted to make Rosé. But, you know, this farm was planted predominantly of Cabernet Sauvignon, and it wasn't a Rosé wine, a Rosé grape. And so when Julian joined us, she walks in and said, We are making rosé. You're from Provence. We're making (laughs) rosé. And he was so gracious. He said, okay, let's plant Cabernet Franc. So our rosé is uh, made of Cabernet Franc. Uh, We make very little of it. And we donate the profits of this wine to uh, breast cancer research.
1: Very nice. The Taplin family is so rich in history. Do you feel like you have big shoes to fill Absolutely.
2: <laughs> there's, um, Is there pressure? Yeah. I mean, especially um, the women who have joined the Tapling family. My mother-in-law used to call them the outlaws. Oh. <laughs> just How for dare fun. she? Yeah, <laughs> just for fun. Yes. Um, there's some interesting story. The first Tapling family came to the Napa Valley in the um, 1800s. They had a dairy in the other side of the valley where... Uh, we are now at the foothills of the Mayacamas, and this dairy was on the Vaca Range, where Toppling Road is. They came, and the father died within five years of arriving here. Oh, wow! And the mother, her name was Louisa Haunt Toppling, she took over the farm, raised her three children that were teenagers mm-hmm. when the father died, and uh, uh, ran a business and ran a very successful business. They. Run that dairy and and sold that farm in the 1940s. So Mm -hmm. it was 70, 80 years uh, of dairy business, Um, and she did it on her own.
1: That's amazing, especially at that time. Absolutely. For sure. A true pioneer.
2: Yeah, yes.
1: And now you're the matriarch. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh that's 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 one way of putting one it, right? of putting it. <laughs> um, well that's what i would say
1: so if somebody wants to come here to taplin cellars it's kind of a top secret spot yes <laughs> so they need to email yeah, a little you. bit of an
2: invitation yes yes and it's great we we love to uh, welcome people we love to walk through the vineyards tell the stories. There's so many stories here taste Taster Wines. And it's very interesting because you are sitting here and you're seeing where the wine comes from. And and so we love to talk about that. And, and we love to learn how people enjoy wine. Uh, what's their palate? Do they like older wines? And so sometimes we pull out a library wine. Do they like it, you know, more more body, more, you know, more finesse or they like tannins or, you know, people like wine in many different ways. And that's fascinating for us.
1: Top moment of your career, your wine career so far.
2: Well, that was interesting because when I first started, as I said, you know, I loved wine as a consumer and not as the business part. And the business part was like very different. And the first time I ever sold a pallet of wine
1: <laughs> you were so excited I was
2: so excited said, I can do this
1: and now you've sold many cents yes
2: <laughs>
0: you're uh, a pro learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com game day tips and fun facts from Paul Kristen and Dexter at Total Wine & More Want to have the most fans at your game day get together? Bring an amazing IPA to complement your favorite hot wings. Chips and guacamole are a must on game day. Pair with a crisp Prosecco for the win. Ordering a meat lover's pizza for halftime? Serve with a red wine like a Spanish Rioja for a fun pairing. Whether you're hosting game day or stocking up, Total Wine & More is what you need with our ridiculous selection at our always low prices. Cheers.
1: Well, let's jump to your personal life. What...
2: Is it about Saint Helena that you love so much? I love living in the farm. Uh, I live um, property. Uh, wake up every morning. Uh, look at the mountains. Look at the vineyards. Walk the vineyards, and it's fascinating. I love the different seasons. Although we usually go away in the winter time, um, as you mentioned, um, I'm originally from Chile, and uh, we like. It's summer there, so we like to head south. Well, not as much as we would like to, but um, those are our plans, and, and we've been doing it. And we, uh, But living in San Elena, it's, um, it's a blessing. It's peaceful, it's, um, yet you have top world restaurants and, and um, lots of very interesting people living in San Elena as well.
1: So if we took a step inside your home, What would
2: we see? What is
1: your decorating style?
2: Well, you have to think first that we have sculpture in our home. So that dictates the decorating style. You you have to explain. Steve is also uh, a stone sculptor. That's been his, I'll call it hobby, for over 20 years. And so we have... You know, acquire some sculptures his own and some sculptures from uh, some other sculptures and art. Also, you'll see uh, wood from the farm that used used to be walnut. So we used that wood, and we remodeled a um, a, a farmhouse that uh, my father-in-law had built in the '60s. Predominant color neutrals. Neutrals. Favorite room in the house. What I call the sunroom. It's a room is very similar to this one. <laughs> Lots of windows. <laughs> Lots of windows. <laughs> and really
1: warm when the sun's out. Yes, I imagine. Yes,
2: really warm with the sun. And yet, you know, it's um, it always has the right temperature.
1: There you go. Do you have
2: any hobbies? Do you collect anything? Okay, I have a hobby. <laughs> um, that it sounds funny, but it's um, I love to knit.
1: I remember you telling me this. Yes, you are an experienced knitter, and
2: you've done it for many years. Yes, ever since I was a little girl, it has been the moment that I want to be with myself. And I need to do something with my hands. You know, knitting is kind of a moment where you, I can reflect, I can think about things, and, and yet move my hands and not feel idle. How often do you knit? Every day. Seriously? Yes. What are you knitting right now? I'm knitting a sweater. (laughs) I I usually knit shawls, but I'm knitting a sweater um, Norwegian. I love Scottish Norwegian knitting because they do many colors. And And lots of patterns. Lots of patterns. And so, you know, I like a
1: challenge. Okay. Who's going to be the recipient of that sweater? Do we know? It's usually my daughter. (laughs) (laughs) lucky her. Is that something she gets every year? A sweater from um, you?
2: Yeah. Okay. She'll, I don't know every year, but yeah, she gets a sweater regularly. Yeah.
1: You never get tired of it? No. Nope. No. Nope. Okay. Meaningful trip that you've taken?
2: You know, I've traveled quite a bit um, because of work. As I, as I mentioned, I, I worked internationally and and travel uh, many places, and they're all fascinating. But the one that stands in my memory because it's, it was such a, a privilege is uh, and it was wor- a work trip to Saudi Arabia. Being a woman, professional, very good professional experience, and knowing a place that is not a touristic place and knows, it's it, a, a part of the world that a few people get to know, and also making the effort to understand. A view of the world from a different perspective than ours it was fascinating.
1: How many times have you been to that country
2: i I just went there once once and that was enough well i've been i've been to um, other countries in the middle East. It was enough for the work I was doing, but I found it fascinating i i found it I found it very different and I think one of the things of all the travels and all the places I've visited, one of the most interesting thing is try to listen oh, and see and understand the world and understand things from a different perspective, from a different culture, from a different set of beliefs. And it just opens your mind, makes you have a richer experience, I would say. Absolutely sure you appreciate what you have, I think, too. Absolutely, it, it's the what we have and what we, you know, the freedom of choice and things that we take for granted, freedom of speech and things like that. We, um, you appreciate it more.
1: Can you tell me something that might be on your bucket list, or have you done everything? <laughs> no. <laughs>
2: One of the things that I, I, I would really like to do is um, in my bucket list is spend more time in my home country and maybe have a wine project that is related to my home country. I'm thinking various possibilities, and I would like to be more back and forth.
1: When you want to relax, what do you do? What's your, what's your method to relax?
2: Well, I said about knitting, but I also also love to entertain. I love to have people over and cook and cook something different. And it's, it's very relaxing for me. I'm basically a very social person. So yeah, inviting people and deciding what to cook or how to pair a wine. And um, I love it.
1: Okay. We're going to wrap things up with five quick questions. You ready? What kind of car do you drive?
2: I now drive a Mazda and I'm waiting for my Model S Tesla because I'm really excited that I just got it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. How early do you get up in the morning?
2: Around 6.45 or 7. Okay.
1: What's your favorite flower? Camellias. Okay. If you were a crayon, what color would you be? Red. What is one of your all-time favorite movies? mary poppins okay i lost count so i'm going to ask you one more question i think it's your fifth question what do you prefer ice cream or potato chips
2: ice cream definitely
1: sylvia thank you so much for your time today it was a lot of fun
2: it was a lot of fun having you here thank you for coming Visit WineCountryWomen.com to join
0: our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.